Welcome to another episode of Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. Mercer, do your thing. All right, all right. We're going to get started. It's probably going to be a short show today, but hopefully it'll be packed with a lot of information. So we'll see what we got. And one thing that kind of fell on my desk today, I was just going to give this a quick blurb, but maybe I'll give it a two or three minutes, is the, uh, the McDonald's strike from yesterday, right? Um, there were supposed to be, I kept getting all the stuff on Facebook about, you know, McDonald's workers going on strike and they were like, don't be a McScab, don't order from McDonald's and don't take any of their job offers. You know, McDonald's is one of the biggest fast food restaurants out there and they pay just above minimum wage. I think we talked about that on the, on the, the Sunday show last week, we were talking about that. And, uh, this is, uh, from an article in, uh, Mother Jones, uh, and if I'm pronouncing this gentleman's name correctly, uh, Nashawn Blunt, a 21-year-old who works at a McDonald's in Durham, North Carolina, is also striking today. Blount told me uh, he sees the strike as a chance to tell shareholders to do the right thing by raising pay instead of keeping the money for themselves. Blount was making $8.50 an hour throughout most of the pandemic for a recent raise to $9.20 an hour, which means he'll take home about $1,200 a month for full-time work. He gets no health insurance, no sick days, no paid vacations. The franchise Blunt works at has been short-staffed, which he believes would change if the owner paid the workers at least 15 bucks an hour. Now, this is from ABC News. On Tuesday, White Castle said it was testing a pilot program at more than three dozen Detroit area locations where new employees will receive a starting wage of 15 bucks per hour. Last week, McDonald's announced it will be raising hourly wages for workers at McDonald's-owned restaurants by an average of 10%. Now, keep one thing in mind about, one caveat about that. That's at the ones that are still owned by McDonald's. The majority of McDonald's are owned by franchises and would not be subject to this 10% boost. Um, McDonald's announcement comes just days after Chipotle committed to raising wages to result in, in a $15 an hour hourly wage for its staff by the end of June, the same day as Chipotle's announcement, Sheets said it was raising wages by $2 an hour for all of its store employees. Blue, you ever hear about the myth of uh, Henry Ford about why he started paying people a living wage? I'm afraid I haven't. Supposedly, they had it as this whole big thing, like Henry Ford was like, yeah, you know, we want people to be able to afford the cars that they make. That was not entirely true. Back in those days, um, like when you get a job, right? You sit down with HR and then you literally, you sign a contract. So they give you the paperwork, it's got all your salary and all your benefits and everything and you sign, right? And that lets them know you agree to work for these wages. Back in those days, um, the early days of Ford, there were no worker contracts. So it was basically, you just, people just showed up. And then you said, okay, we'll take you, 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 and you, and you guys work today, right? So when Ford was raising wages, it's because he wanted to keep the best workers for himself, which there's really nothing wrong with that. Because people were like, oh, Henry Ford is paying, I'm making up money here, but Henry Ford is paying, uh, I don't know, 80 cents an hour, we're talking about back in the days. <laughs> so, you know, I'll just go work for Ford. You know, and he was able to retain the best workers by paying them more money. And he put it off as like this thing, like, well, you know, we care about the workers. Well, 
in a way he did because he cared about keeping the best workers for himself. And that was a way to attract the best workers was to pay them more money. And you would think that after all these years, companies would catch on to that. I remember when I was a teenager, um, there was a big deal on the news that um, Taco Bell was paying workers six bucks an hour. That's back when the minimum wage was uh, 3.35. And they were paying six bucks an hour. Why? Because they were having trouble keeping people working because they were paying minimum wage. And a lot of people who worked there weren't high school kids. They were adults who had kids to feed. So they're like, well, I'll just go work someplace else. So they were paying six bucks an hour to attract people to work, right? And now we're going through the same thing again. Um, the myth is that fast food jobs are for kids. I'll tell you this, my nephew works at a pizzeria and um, it's a mom and pop pizzeria. They have like two locations, one in Cary, one in Raleigh. And they pay minimum wage plus tips, right? But, you know, and it's mostly just kids that work there, but it's a mom and pop pizzeria. You don't expect a mom and pop pizzeria to pay 15 bucks an hour, you know? But a franchise like McDonald's who rakes in billions of dollars a year, you kind of expect that. So I hope there's more strikes in the future. I hope there's more shortages that will force these companies to start looking into paying a minimum wage because Lord knows they could afford it. They better be careful. I was at a McDonald's at um, here in Durham in an area called The Village, which is a very low income area. There was not a single cashier. Every place you was to take your order was a machine that you had to use a kiosk. And I was like, ew, COVID. <laughs> You know what, they they do that at the one up the street from me. So as a consequence, I just don't eat there anymore. You know, if I if I walk into a McDonald's or any fast food restaurant, I mean, I don't do it a lot these days. But if I do, and it's run by robots, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just take my business someplace else. You know. Another story. I was at this place called Five and Below on 15501 New, New Hope Commons area, a nice little area of Durham. And the same thing, there was a lady who was directing people to the kiosk to check out themselves. And I was like, I don't want to use a kiosk lady. I'd rather you check me out. Therefore, I don't make any mistake and accidentally steal something. No, we're not able to help you like that anymore. You have to use the kiosk. And I was like, okay. I always thought that should be a choice because when I go to the supermarket, I use the self-checkout, but then again at the supermarket, because I'm carrying stuff home, I never get more than 12 items anyway. Now, if I was getting like a whole shopping cart full of stuff, yeah, I'll wait online and let you check me out and pack my bags for me. But I only get like eight, nine, 10 items. Another story. Carry home. I was in Walmart the other day in the very same area, New Hope Commons, and the same thing. There was, I don't know, 24 aisles and then the section where you check out yourself which has about maybe eight terminals uh -huh. none of the aisles had cashiers just the self-checkout one with a lady standing there saying just shrugging her shoulders you know i don't really like checking myself out because i'm the most awful bagger on the planet like i i'm terrible at bagging i just think uh, i don't know it must be some kind of science to it and i just don't like it but there's not a single human cashier but it was one that one cashier lady who I guess was making sure people got to the kiosk okay and didn't steal or anything like that or if it got right. jammed up that she could help them. 
but I was very disturbed by that. You don't see that type of madness at Target. Yeah, I mean, the last time I was at Target, actually, last time I was at Target is when I got my uh, my new Xbox. They had one in Target in uh in Apex. I took a cab out there. I just happened to be off, so I went out there, and you know, they had, I mean, they had people at the cashiers, you know, because it was um, when was it? Not too long after Christmas, so it was still pretty busy. You know, that may have been part of it, but they still had people out there, you know. But we'll 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 see what we'll see what they do. But I feel like if I have to use a kiosk when I go to a store, then I might as well not even go to the store. I just order it on Amazon. Right. You may as well. Only thing I don't like when I do Amazon Fresh is that when it comes to like foods that need to be fresh, like eggs, they don't pay attention. They always get like the eggs that are like about to hatch in the chicks. So I'm like, you know what? When I go to supermarket, I'll get my own eggs. But, but you know, Amazon, it's, it's you know, I mainly, I just used to use to get water because I can get, uh, and then, but they put a limit. You could only get like two cases of water and that's fine. I mean, you know, I don't need to drink more than two cases at a time. But I'd still rather go there and pick out my own stuff. When I go to Amazon, I don't usually get anything that I would deem needing to be fresh. It's usually like the rices and the the box things. Um, I don't get meats from there. I don't get vegetables from there. don't get eggs from there. I'll go into the store myself and get those because I'm very particular about what I want in a meat. I'm very particular about what I want in an expiration date and a beverage, you know, things like that. Yeah. I'm getting away from meat, so that's not really going to be an issue. But, you know, always fresh vegetables. And they might choose a vegetable that's not as fresh. You know, they may not, they may pick a plum that isn't as perky as I like it to be. I like my perky's perky like a booty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, now, uh, I, I will say this moving on. Oh, you know what? I'm an idiot. I go ahead and I put in a timer and I don't even start it. <laughs> I'm like, I still got half an hour left. Nope. Should have read the timer. But um, of all the things that are going on in the world right now, you have the Palestinian-Israeli conflict 2021, right? You got the, the commission for the uh, January 6th insurrection going on. You know, at least they're trying to get one. There's a lot of stuff going on. What I want to talk about today, the Philadelphia DA's race. Why? Why would I even care about that? Okay. They had a primary a couple of days ago, right? So, and, and I apologize. I'm on, uh, sometimes the, you know, these things run videos and every now and then they're like, no, nah, you want to hear this. And they'll just turn the volume on. So bear with me if that happens. But the DA in Philadelphia is, um, uh, what's his name? Larry, Larry Krasner, right? He won his uh, primary on Tuesday over uh, challenger Carlos Vega, right? So basically, uh, he—I mean—he crushed him like sixty-five to thirty-five, right? It was—it was a soul-crushing defeat for him, and then Vega, of course, conceded. So basically, there is a uh, defense attorney, uh, Chuck Peruto, who's running on the Republican side. Now, here's the thing that made me want to do this story is that um, Vega is not really a Democrat. He's basically a Republican or a corporate Democrat. So they're working in tandem with the Republicans because Chuck Peruto already said 
that if Carlos Vega wins the primary, that he would drop out and let Vega run on a post if they could oust Larry Krasner. So why do they hate Larry Krasner like that when the corporate Democrats and Republicans would work together to oust him as the DA? Well, it's because Larry, now I'm not gonna go ahead and call Larry Krasner a progressive because I don't know that much about Larry Krasner as a whole, but I will say this, okay? Um, this is from Wikipedia, okay? Um, in his first, well, I'll skip that part. In February, 2018, Krasner announced that law enforcement would no longer pursue criminal charges against those caught with marijuana possession. That same month, Krasner instructed prosecutors to stop seeking cash bail for those accused of some misdemeanors and nonviolent crimes. Krasner said that it was unfair to keep people in detention simply because they couldn't afford bail. Now, if you watched last week tonight, John Oliver did an, did an excellent segment on cash bail. And um, you can catch it on YouTube, you know, about how horrible cash bail is in this country. Uh, Krasner also announced that the DA's office had filed a lawsuit against a number of pharmaceutical companies for their role in the city's opioid ep epidemic. Krasner also instructed prosecutors to stop charging sex workers who had fewer than three convictions. So in March of 2018, it was reported that Krasner's staffers were working on creating a sentence review unit to review past cases and sentences and to seek resentencing in cases where individuals were given unduly harsh punishments. So I don't know if he's a full-blooded progressive, but he has, but he's very progressive for a DA. You know, he seems like he's doing a lot of great work. And that's why the police unions hate him because he's the type of guy who would hold the cops accountable. Now, um, even though the police union backed his Krasner's opponent, uh, black cops backed Krasner, you know? Because here's the one thing about cops. I rag on cops a lot. I do. Sometimes unfairly. Most times I just judge them on the things that they, that they say and do. Matter of fact, we had a case in, um, in North Carolina, the guy who was driving away, the cop shot him in the back of the head. They just announced either yesterday or the day before that they're not gonna pursue any criminal charges against him, that the cops were justified because the cops felt threatened. So if Krasner was RDA, I wonder how that would have went, you know, so Basically, the fact that they are, you know, Republicans hate guys like that. Because here's the thing about Republicans when it comes to the police. And we, and we learned this from January 6th from the insurrection. Right-wingers love cops when cops are beating on the minorities and beating on the poor. Okay? But if the cops stand in their way, they will kill cops. They don't care. How many cops died in that January 6th uh, insurrection? How many cops were injured, were brutalized? One guy was tased with his own taser. Another guy was hit with a lead pipe. You know, one guy was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. They killed him. One guy was crushed to the door. He was caught in the door. And the people were just like heaving on the door and crushing this guy. You could hear this guy screaming in agony as he's being crushed by a metal door with like 50 people behind it. 
So these Republicans don't really give a shit about cops if cops aren't doing what they feel is their job, which is keeping minorities and poor people down. So the fact that they feel like, well, you got to back the blue, you got to back police unions. No, they only do that if they're serving their cause. So if you have someone like Larry Krasner, who is actually going to not just hold cops accountable, but try to keep people out of jail unnecessarily. Stop feeding the private prison in the streets. In that um, John Oliver uh, segment, there were people who actually pled guilty to crimes they didn't commit so they could get out of jail because they couldn't afford bail and they had to get back to work. But now if you have, if you convict, uh, if you get convicted of a crime, it makes it harder for you to find a job. But they can't just sit in jail all day because they can't afford bail. Everybody don't have a mama that got a house to put up for them to get bail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people are on their own. So if you have somebody who's looking to make uh, reforms, of course, the Republicans and corporate Democrats are going to be against them. And they're going to work in tandem to eliminate this guy. So we need more Krasners out there. You know, people who are looking like, look, you know, instead of, you know, putting your, uh, your boot on the necks of these people, we need to help these people. You know, most people who, where they don't do cash bail, where they let you on your own recognizance, most of them show up for court. Because why would you want to be a fugitive forever? So most people actually show up for court. They say, well, you know, they're like, Mr. Prescott, you need to show up at court on June 6th. Guess where I'll be on June 6th? In court. Because I'm not built for, you know, running and hiding forever. I'm too big for that. <laughs> you know, so I, it caught my eye because of the, the little tag team job that they were doing to try and get him out of there. Now, keep in mind, he still has to run against the Republican in November. But he'll more than likely win. I'm not worried about that. The, it just caught my eye about the uh, little tag team job they were doing on him and how much they really, you know, like a lot of these corporate Democrats really ain't shit. They're basically just... Uh, Republicans without the overt racism. Jumping subjects, let me ask you a quick question, Blue, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Do you know anybody, and I'm not even, I'm not even asking if you know anybody who did it, because we're not trying to incriminate anybody. Do you know anybody who even had the idea of becoming an LLC so they can get a, a PPP loan? I know several people that did that. I know several people that, yeah, that's how, that was their come up. For 2021. Yeah. And here's the thing about that. Uh, those PPP loans, they're loans. The whole basis of a loan is got to pay it back. I was listening to, uh, it was a Charlemagne uh, breakfast club. And his donkey today was a woman who got a, uh, I forgot, I think it was like $20,000 PPP loan. She pretended to be an LLC. And then she, got, she did a GoFundMe to try and get that money back because she didn't want to go to jail. Because pretend to be an LLC to get a PPP loan is called fraud. If you commit fraud, you go to jail. Donald Trump committed fraud his entire life. You know what Donald Trump has that we don't have? An army of lawyers 
who could sit there and run interference for years, for even for decades even, until he's old and becomes president and then gets protected by the highest lawyer in the land and then not president and then hiding in Mar-a-Lago. And then he'll just, and then on the day that they finally say, we got enough evidence to get Donald Trump, he'll do like an old mobster and die. A free man the entire time. We don't have that option. We cheat the system, we go down hard. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a, uh, a, a freshman rep out of Georgia. You probably know her because she says a lot of goofy racist things. You know, she's, she's, she's a bro, basically. You know, she was chasing AOC across the, uh, the house floor talking about, you need to debate me. Like, why would she debate you? You haven't done anything. So that'd be like, Blue, if you were at your job and you made a, you made this whole PowerPoint presentation, right? You made it from scratch. And it's this is extensive PowerPoint presentation about bringing up something for your job to help, uh, you know, to help things run smoother. It's going to be vague, right? And I didn't do any work. I didn't do, I don't, I don't even know how to use PowerPoint, right? But I'm run up on you at the cafeteria of your job talk about you need to debate me about your PowerPoint presentation. Why would you why would you even look at me? I, I haven't done anything. I have nothing. Right. So AOC has a Green New Deal. Marjorie Taylor Green has nothing. What are we debating about? You know, and AOC is right not to debate her. Marjorie Taylor Green's a crazy woman. You know, now, the reason why I bring her up in this case is because Marjorie Taylor Greene violated Georgia's tax law by claiming two permanent residences. If you own two homes, right? Now, I can't speak for every insurance company, right? But if you own two homes, one home is your primary residence, the other one is your secondary residence. So your primary residence is the one that has all the liability on it. And then that liability will extend to your secondary residence. That's mainly for people who have like vacation homes and stuff like that. Usually if you have a, uh, if you have a home that you rent out to people, you would have a, a, a different policy for that if you rent it out to people. But if these are two homes that you own and may live in it at specific times, you just can't have, uh, you know, two separate policies on those homes. So you have like a main home and then you have your secondary home. So what Marjorie Taylor Greene did is that, well, I'll, I'll let Newsweek tell it. Greene allegedly filed two active homestead exemptions in her 2020 Georgia tax state documents. A homestead exemption provides a large tax break for state residents, usually granting a $2,000 exemption from most county and school taxes. The Fulton County Board of Assessors has said that state residents are only legally allowed to claim one residential address for a homestead exemption. Green and her husband allegedly filed for two exemptions by listing two different residences in two different counties. The residents, one residence is located in Fulton County, the county which contains the state capital of Atlanta. The other residence is located in Floyd County, a region located in the state's Northwest corner. Here's the part that I found to be funny. When asked about the filing, Green's office accused the aforementioned news station of being focused on paperwork, which is being taken care of. It added that the investigative journalists behind the story, 
needs to mind his own business. <laughs> telling a telling a, a, a telling a journalist to mind his own business is like telling a dog not to eat a piece of bologna that fell onto the floor. You know, it, it's basically it's what they do. You know, that's their job. So the fact that uh, if you're in Congress, people are going to be watching what you do all the time. But here's the thing. Most of the times it doesn't mean anything. Look at Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi has been in office for like 30 years. And how do you turn a salary of like $100,000 a year to $120 million? Simple. Insider trading. They all do it. The only problem is, is that like our own Senator Burr, uh, what's his name, Richard Burr, who, uh, if this holds true, is not going to seek re-election. It's basically because he went against Trump and that now he's going to be investigated for his insider trading. So he's losing that protection. Marjorie Taylor Greene is already selling stocks. She has a whole bunch of Facebook stocks that she sold recently because they have to, you know, uh, do those filings, you know. But with somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like when they go after people like AOC and say you need to debate me, it's because they got nothing. Blue, do you ever eat a Chick-fil-A? Well, to be honest, uh, yeah. <laughs> like once a week at minimum, a minimum of once a week. You know, I, 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 I'm not one of those people who were, I mean, I know Chick-fil-A's owner is a right-wing nut job, but their sandwiches are delicious, you know? And then they have the, the, the Chick-fil-A sauce, the, the Polynesian sauce, I think they call it, right? It just makes their, it makes it me, uh, I'm able to at least swallow those waffle fries because of the sauce. Like if I don't have sauce, that means I gotta go get ketchup. And for some reason, their, their fries taste better with their, with their Chick-fil-A sauce. So supposedly, there's a shortage of Chick-fil-A sauce because of the, I don't know, it's because of the pandemic or the gas shortage or some shit. So now all these Republicans took to Twitter to blame the Chick-fil-A uh, sauce shortage on Joe Biden, even though none of it is Joe Biden's fault. So of course, they're blaming the gas shortage on Joe Biden. Why do we have that gas shortage? It's basically because those pipelines are run by a private company, a private company that skimped on online security because, you know, they got to put that money in their pocket. So when they did that, they got hacked by uh, some Russian hacker group who put ransomware on their computers and were like, you need to pay us $90 million or else we're not gonna release your, and supposedly they got paid. They paid them $90 million in Bitcoin or some cryptocurrency to get control of their computers back. You know, that's why there's a gas shortage, not because of anything Joe Biden did. But these Republicans have nothing, nothing at all. And that's why they have to do these ridiculous, uh, you know, it's Joe Biden's fault we don't have sauce. It's Joe Biden's fault that I'm fat. It's Joe Biden's fault that my shoelaces broke. Just like they did to Obama. 
blame everything on Obama. Thanks, Obama. You know. So I, I, I'm hoping that one day <clears throat> Republicans will figure it out. Will they? No. You figure after four years with Trump, if they couldn't figure it out, they're never going to figure it out. Because you figure after Trump, they'd be like, okay, they're going to wake up and they're going to see what's going on here. And then it's just like, no, never. Maybe one, maybe three, but not enough to make a difference. So I will say one last thing before we wrap up today. Blue, do you follow NBA? Nah, ever since, um, you know, we started not really doing as many franchise players, you know, players staying on the team for the, the length of their careers, being focused on their careers instead of just jumping to this team, jumping to this team in order to win championships or be the number one person on that team. Um, I kind of faded the black on the, on the NBA. In my heart, I still love it. I just don't give it the energy at the time of the love anymore like I did when I was, I don't know, 20s, early 30s or whatever. Just because of that, you know what I'm saying? Like Kobe, you know, he stayed with the Lakers the whole time. Patrick Ewing stayed with the Lakers the whole time. Jordan, for the most part, stayed with his team for the whole time. I don't really count the Washington Bullet days. I think those days was garbage. Um, and with that, you know, plus they don't play the same. They play real soft. You know what I'm saying? I'm used to cats being in the paint and doing dirty. I remember the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls how they used to get down. That was a good energy. All this shooting, shooting, shooting thing is too pretty boyish to me. I don't like that shit. So for the most part, nah, I catch a game here or there, but I and not like how I used to be when myself or myself and my brother or myself and my dad will be on the couch, you know what I'm saying? Eating this, eating this or drinking that, just chilling, laughing, having a good time, getting hype, especially if we was on two different teams. Like my brother, he might have liked the... Um, you know, the pits, you might have like Philadelphia, you know, because of Iverson. I might have been still with New York at the time. You know, they going, we going back and forth, wishing our teams, you know, pumping our teams up. But nah, I don't fuck with the NBA like that. Just the long story short. <laughs> <laughs> they have this thing now called the, uh, the play-in, right? So it used to be top eight teams and then they break them down to tournaments. You know, uh, eight seed plays the first, uh, second seed plays the seventh, so on and so forth. But now it's 10 teams and then the last four teams. So if you're a one through six, you're in. Seven and eight and then nine and 10, they each play one game. So whoever wins, out of, they call it the seven, eight game and the nine, 10 game. The nine, 10 game is the most dangerous because whoever loses the nine, 10 game is out of the playoffs, right? So, and then whoever wins that game goes into the play-in. The seven eight game, whoever wins the seven eight game automatically gets the seven seed, and then uh, the loser of the seven eight game goes into the uh, the play in, and then they play for the eight seed. So, I'm a little bit more familiar with that format because I play fantasy football, and that's how the um, the brackets go for the people who don't really make the playoffs except that you don't get in the playoffs. You just play for, you know, seeding for the, uh, you know, for the rest of the, you know, going to the next season. But it's actually, kind of, I think it's kind of cool for, to have more teams involved in getting more playoff experience, you know? And it's all, but I, I know it sucks for the people who make seven and eight, because now even if you make seven and eight, 
you're not guaranteed a spot. You still got to play for it. <laughs> so I think that's the only people who it sucks for. But um, they had uh, uh, Lakers and Golden State played in the 7-8 the game and Lakers edged them out. They won a 103-100. And then Spurs and Memphis played, so Spurs lost. And they said, I think this is the first time that the Spurs missed back-to-back playoffs in 45 years. And definitely the first time since Popovich was coach. So, you know, but so now Lakers got seventh seed and now Golden State and Memphis are playing for eighth seed. But it's kind of fun. I just wanted to end on something that's not that's not political, you know, just so I don't have everybody with that whole negative energy and going out. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, unless I could find some good news and I didn't really find a whole lot of good news this week. So, Mr. Blue, what are your final thoughts, sir? My final thoughts is hold those senators and representatives to the nose. You motherfuckers work for me. Motherfucker, call they ass, email they ass, but be respectful and tell them your desires and your wants. Also, you know, there's an app. There's apps you can... um, download to your devices and follow politics i can't remember the app i use right now but we'll share it i'll share it in the note section of this podcast and utilizing apps like this to see what you know your senators and representatives are voting on and be vocal regarding you know your stance because they work for you they you know it looks like you know we are falling underneath the umbrella of whatever they want to do but technically they're supposed to be representatives of the people so make them accountable and if they're not, vote their ass out. Exactly. You know, I have a, I have an app called uh, Politoscope that helps me keep up with with, uh, with current events from my phone. And then, uh, you know, I, I subscribe to some newsletters here and there, you know, Ballotpedia and stuff like that for the for the more, uh, you know, a little bit more the in-depth stuff, you know, from state to state. So, uh, you know, I'll put it like this, you know, it doesn't take that long to stay. uh, You don't have to be a a policy wonk, but at the same time, it's good to keep up on certain things. Like I tell my nephew all the time, I'm like, you don't want to live, eat, sleep and breathe politics, but it's still good to know what's going on, especially in your local races, because those are those are the races that will affect you the quickest is stuff that's happening in your own backyard. So definitely keep an eye on what's going on. Definitely vote in your local elections. I will admit that for as long as I've been voting, I've only been voting in my local elections for the last 10 years or so and getting involved in what's going on. So even if you got a, I mean, for my job, for, you know, main elections, I get some, they give me some time off. But if I got to take a couple out of my, you know, of my personal time to go vote for a local election, you know, Definitely, you know, I mean, in the age of of emails and stuff like that, there's definitely tons of local newsletters you can get, you know, if you have a senator, you know, in your area or your, uh, your rep, you can subscribe to them on uh, social media and find out what they're doing. So you don't have to live, eat, eat, sleep and breathe it, but you do have, but it's good to be involved and know what's going on, especially what's going on in your own backyard. So Mr. Blue, play us off, sir. All right. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. 
Politrix has, I mean, Politrix is um, recorded usually every Monday at 7 p.m. and uploaded whenever Mr. Blue get around to it. Um, <laughs> a hit show, you know what I'm saying? One of the most award-winning shows on the umbrella of the Urban Breakdown as it gives you an inside look at the things that you normally don't hear about or things that you hear about that are skewed based on their own political agenda. Mercer Prescott is an award-winning journalist who does the research to get the job done. So definitely subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. The Breakdown. Politrix. With Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics. Breaking it down. Politics. In my bed, in my bed, in my bed. 